have uh, these things right here, a, a nativity set. Um, a nativity scene in your home. I grew up with my mom having something very similar looking to that. Um, I, I have to ask this. I see her. Rachel, you're with us. Do you have someone with you? Um, okay, this is the first Sunday that I believe Rachel has been with us with Hannah Grace Gerber. Is 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 she in the car seat or? or uh, just hold up the car seat. <laughs> okay, we welcome her this morning. Amen. We welcome mom and daughter. Uh, Kent's around here somewhere, so whatever. So, yeah, good. Well, congratulations to that family. Most of you um, grew up around having those in your home, whether it's under your tree or some form or another, a nativity set in your home. Uh, nativity sets are as common today as any other Christmas decoration, a Christmas tree, a mistletoe, an ornament, lights, poinsettias, things like that. Uh, we see nativity sets and scenes all over our neighborhood and in people's homes and in churches' yards and in a day and age to where the ACLU is suing for having them. Oh, now we just had something come on, didn't we? Yes. Go figure. All right, we're going to try it now? All right, we're going to try it now. In a day and age to where the ACLU is suing for anything that looks religious it's just nice to be able to drive around and see these kind of scenes in people's yards i have to tell you that as a kid um, i remember getting down on the floor and crawling up underneath the christmas tree on my back and just looking up into the top of the tree and i would just spend forever there and i would just look at the lights and i would just kind of get lost in the lights and it didn't take me long before i would circle around to the front of the tree and just gaze at mom dad's nativity set there something very similar to that and for the longest time i would just kind of get lost in the scene and and in that set this morning for just a few moments i know there's a lot going on in the service and i know we have the traditional Christmas treat bags at the end of the service, but for a few moments, I want you to join me as I look again at this nativity scene. Maybe for some of you, look at it again for the first time. I want to start off by focusing on... I tell you what, Satan is uh, after us today. Can you advance it yourself, brother? There we go. It might have to be you, Ryan. We'll see. Let's focus on the star this morning of the nativity scene. I remember as, as a kid and I was looking at uh, mom's nativity set, I would always focus on the star up top, but it was always hidden, but it just shone a light. And she always had a blue, one of those big blue bulbs. You know what I'm talking about? Those big blue bulbs. That's what I remember the most about mom's nativity set. And it just shone. It just gave a beautiful glow about it obviously the star it led the wise men on their journey to find the baby let me ask you a question do you know how many stars there are out in the universe you don't know no one really knows for sure how many stars there are in the universe what about our galaxy the galaxy that we live in the milky way they have estimated that there are over 100 billion stars just in our galaxy alone. That's a number that I can't wrap my mind around. 100 billion stars. 
Go to the next one for me. That is our galaxy there. That's the Milky Way galaxy. How would you like to be the one star that God plucked out of the night sky in order to lead just a few men to baby Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Think about that. The one who created you and put you in space chose you to be the one star that would guide a group of men to the very first advent of God's Son here on earth. What a moment that must have been. Matthew 2, verses 9 through 11 says, And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with, his, with, his, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. This star was observed and followed by those that we talked about last week, the wise men. Not only did the star take them to Bethlehem, it took them to the very spot where Jesus was. Do you realize that without the star, it probably would have been impossible for these wise men to find Jesus? The star was God's gift to these men. It was like a travel guide. It was like God's GPS system for these wise men. For those who earnestly sought the Lord. Those who earnestly sought to find the King of the Jews. Down through history, God has always provided a star for those who would earnestly seek Him. What do I mean by that? Those of you who are believers with us this morning, you remember your life before Jesus Christ. You remember your life B.C. Like the song that we sang recently, you can remember when life was shattered and hope was lost, crushing the load that I bore. You were lost and you were confused, trying to figure out life on your own. And what did God do? He sent you a star. He sent you a guide. He sent someone who pointed the way to Jesus Christ. Sometimes God sends multiple stars. I was talking to my mom and dad yesterday. I was in their place for a day for Christmas and I asked them, I said, who was the star that led you to Christ? My mom began to talk and talk about her mom and dad, but then she began to name several individuals, but there was one specifically named Moore Stevenson. Moore Stevenson was a missionary slash evangelist. And mom recalls that how when she was young, and I may have told this story before, but before mom met dad, she was uh, dating a guy named Rich who did not know the Lord. And she knew deep down inside it was not a relationship that she sh should not have been in. And Morris Stevenson came to their church one time and preached a revival, and he sensed there was something going on in mom's life. And he specifically talked to mom and told her, this is not a relationship that is healthy for you. 
Mom soon thereafter went to Asbury College and in her freshman year she was on her way to chapel and God had convicted her so much that she turned around right where she was at in that spot in the sidewalk and went to that little chapel there on Asbury College and gave her life to Jesus Christ. And so mom said her stars were her mom and dad, Morris Stevenson. I ask you, who are the stars in your life? Who are those individuals that have led you, pointed you to Jesus Christ? A mom, a dad, a Sunday school teacher, a friend. For me, it was my mom and dad, and it was a lady named Sister Nestor. She was my Sunday school teacher that at the age of five, she taught us and invited us kids, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you come down She was a God. She was one of my stars. We could all say that without such and such a person, without that teacher, without that preacher perhaps, without that grandparent, I doubt that I would have found Jesus. And I ask you just for a moment this morning, what would your life be? Those of you who know Christ, those of you who have that intimate knowledge with him, those of you who have asked him in and to forgive you of your sins and to, for the rest of your days, live for Jesus. What would your life be like without Jesus? Where would you be? What would your life look like? What would you be doing? Would some of you even be alive? Now just let that sink in for a second. Where would you be without your Jesus? We all know Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ, but I contend that this morning that we can even look at the star in the nativity scene. We can look at the star and and even give thanks to God for sending that someone in our life. For sending that maybe one star, the multiple stars in our life that would point us to Jesus Christ. And dare I say that this morning... There may still be some here that are wondering in life. You're confused. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you've come to church here the Sunday before Christmas looking for some kind of a message. And and I'm telling you this morning that God has brought a star into your life. Someone brought you. Someone invited you. You're looking at maybe this person's life and you see that there's something in them that's different. They have just something. They have a spirit about them that you don't have. They have a happiness. They have a joy. They have a brightness about them that you don't have. Some star-like quality about them. If that's you today, let me tell you that God has handpicked that star just for you. God has handpicked that person to help lead you to the Savior. And I say to you, heed the call. Come to Christ today. The rest of us that are believers, I'll ask a question, are we being stars ourselves? Are we allowing God to use us as guides to those who who need Jesus Christ? Are we pointing someone to the Savior of the world. We can look at the star this morning and see importance with that. Go ahead, Ryan. We're back to this set. 
I go back next to the stable. The stable. Zooming back to my childhood, I remember the, the times whenever I would just stare and gaze into the stable and, and I would put myself, you can kind of see it up there, uh, I'd put myself back into the left-hand corner of that stable and I would just, it looks so cozy and warm, doesn't it? And I would just put myself there and I would imagine myself what it would have been like and, and maybe what the straw would have felt like underneath my feet and, and just maybe what did it sound like with the animals making their noises and their sounds and, and then I would go up around to where Mary and Joseph was, and I would just absorb myself into the moment, and I would just get lost. We talked about stables last week, didn't we? Even though the stables that sit under our trees appear to be a comfortable, warm, cozy environment, more than likely for that moment for Mary and Joseph and the new Christ child, it was anything but that. More than likely, it was a crowded, smelly, damp, dark place filled with stinky animals. And I thought to myself, why did God not orchestrate a better environment for the King of Kings to come into? If He was able to pluck a star out of space and use it to lead and guide the wise men, why could He not arrange for the mother and the family yet to be to come to the Bethlehem Hilton or some kind of decent place to stay? Why did God allow His Son to be born in such an environment like this? I would propose that perhaps God wanted it this way. Why is that? Perhaps when God sent His only Son to live on this earth, He made a decision not to shelter Him from the harsh realities of life. Instead of having Him born into a royal family with a silver spoon in His hand, perhaps God wanted His Son's first breath to be filled with the smells of the barn animals. Perhaps he wanted the first noises that his son heard would be the grunts of the livestock. Or his first onesies would be the equivalent of like grease rags today. But again, why? Why would he allow the king of kings to be born in an environment like that? Last week we talked about the stables in our life, those unexpected, those unasked for places that we find ourselves in. And this morning I want to tweak our look at the stable and have the stable represent our real world. You see, Jesus was born into a real world. He was born into a real family. He worked a real construction job. He had real friends. He suffered hardships just like you and me. He died a cruel death for a crime that he did not commit. And perhaps Jesus was born in a stable to demonstrate to you and me that he knows what you are going through, for he too has been there, done that. Aren't you glad that we have a Savior who can know what we're going through? He's not someone that's so high and mighty. He's not an aristocrat who doesn't know what it's like to experience the difficulties and the pains of the common man. For those who have very little and are living in poverty, he's been there. 
for those who have suffered discrimination and oppression. Jesus was a refugee even before his first birthday. He's been there. Have you suffered rejection and ridicule? He's been there. Abandonment? His friends left him high and dry in the the garden that night. He's been there. Death of loved ones? He's been there too. Physical pain? More than you and I can ever imagine. Jesus knows what you're going through. He was born in a stable. He can relate to your real world. Has some experience in your life driven you to within an inch of your breaking point? Has some experience hurt you so deeply that you want to cry out, I cannot go on because nobody understands. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Listen, the next time you look at the stable, let it be a symbol of the fact that God sent Jesus to live in our real world so he can relate to our real problems. Jesus can identify with you no matter what you're going through. And then the last thing about the manger I want us to point to. Whenever I was done staring up into the lights of the tree, whenever I was done looking at mom's blue light and and I was done roaming around in the manger in my mind, I always kept going back to one thing. my, My eyes always kept going back to the one thing that was the center of it all. The manger. Is that not what it's all about anyways? The manger. We all probably have sweet, gentle images of that scene right there. Things that are soft and gentle that come to mind as we envision the manger. But let me remind you again what the manger is. It's just another word for an animal feeding trough. Moms, can you imagine placing your newborn baby in a place where animals continually stuck their faces and their mouths? Think about everything that may have been in a a feeding trough. It's probably a mixture of straw and feed, perhaps slop for the pigs. Even, even, I, I know my mind goes even to the disgusting slobber that comes out of animals' mouths. Kind of disgusting, isn't it? I can even imagine mice running around the, the, the manger and the trough. This very well could have been the environment that God chose to lay His Son in. I want us to focus just a few seconds on the manger. 
Do you realize that no one would have even realized what the word manger is had Jesus not been laid there? But because God's Son was laid in a feeding trough, the manger is known to all of mankind. There is even a special dignity and a spiritual significance attached to the manger. An ordinary piece of barnyard furniture becomes an extraordinary symbol of God's grace. A feeding trough for cattle becomes the cradle for a king. That's quite the transformation, if you ask me. Men and women, those lost and confused by the sin of the world and the sin in their hearts, they can find life and life everlasting at this manger. There can be quite the transformation when we find ourselves at the manger. The manger becomes a picture of what can happen to mankind when Jesus takes up residence in one's heart. Or the ordinary becomes extraordinary. The manger holds the one whom the angel said would save his people from their sins. Go ahead, Ryan. Would save their people from their sins. The one in whom Gabriel said Mary would be great and will be called the son of the highest. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This ordinary feeding trough held the one to whom the angels told the shepherds, Do not be afraid, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ. The Lord. <laughs> a feeding trough. Help the Savior of the world. Today in Bethlehem, there is a church, and those are some of the pictures of it. There is a church in Bethlehem. It's called the Church of the Nativity. Some of you have heard about that. It's supposedly the place where Jesus was born. It's about three to four miles south of Jerusalem. And as you can see, it's a rather large structure, a huge edifice on the outside, has a lot of many large rooms for worship and long corridors and high ceilings connecting and corridors connecting one section to another. But the spot where Jesus was supposedly born is an extremely small area. And it's marked by an elaborate star. Now, you might not be able to see it real clear there, but that is the place, the star right there. That is the place where they believe that Jesus was born. Now, anyone can visit this site, but there's a catch to it all. The only way that you can experience and see this sacred place, the only way that you can visit the site of the manger is if you get on your hands and your knees and you crawl inside of that. You crawl inside of that room or, in other words, the only way that you can experience all that the manger has for us this morning is if you humble yourself and you bow. If you go there this day and today and you want to see that, you've got to get down. You can't walk in. That, that's, that would probably hit you out about to your waist. 
you have to humble yourself. You see, the wise men bowed, and I have a feeling that at that moment all the animals were laying down as well. Even they too were bowing in humble adoration of their Creator and their Maker. Church, this is the only way that you and I will be able to fully embrace the Christmas story. Everything about the nativity scene draws us to this one spot, the baby Jesus, the Savior of the world. But you must bow. You must bow. Not just one time. You want to continue to enjoy the pleasures of this Savior. If you want to continue to walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ, if you want to continue to live this life, we must live our entire life on bended knee, on bended heart, and humble spirit. This week, next time you look at the nativity scene, whether it be you're driving by someplace or whether it's in your home, maybe you'll look at these objects a little bit different this week. When you see the star, let it remind you of those that God has led Help lead you to Christ. Sent someone to point you to the Messiah. May you be thankful. And ask yourself, am I being a star for someone? When you see the stable, let it remind you that Jesus purposely wanted to be born into a real world, your world, my world, so that he could experience everything that you and I experience because he's been there. He knows what you're going through. And when you see the manger, let it remind you that in order to see the baby Jesus in all of his glory and all of his splendor, you need to bow. You need to bow. Maybe there's some area of your life this morning. Mandy, come on up. There's some area of your life this morning that you need to humble yourself with. Would you bow your heads, please? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you, God, that we can look at this picture of beauty and we can look at the different aspects of even a Christmas set, a nativity set, and we can see you and we can be blessed by the different things that we see in it. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for Sister Nestor. She was one of the stars in my life. Lord, there's someone here today that probably doesn't know you. They may say they love God or they love you or they believe in you, but God, they've not had that moment to where they have, on bended knee, bowed themselves to you and asked you to forgive them of their sins to cleanse them from that which is inside, to free them from that which they were born into, to believe in your Son, to ask for forgiveness. Lord, if there's someone here this morning, this can be their day. Someone has led them to this point. Someone has guided them to this point. Lord, as we look at our stables of life, I thank you, God, that you can relate, that you know exactly what we're going through.
and that we can turn to a Savior. We can turn to a Christ child in a manger and know that you know what we're going through. God, help someone this morning to be comforted by that, that you came to relate to us. And God, as we look at the manger, may we bow in adoration and praise for who you are and for what you mean to us. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please?